0: Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back. And um, yeah, what an amazing building this is. And we've just been hearing about vision and the words that have been brought this morning. And yeah, we just believe, I just believe that this is just a new beginning for you guys. And um, this weekend is something, the start of something new. I know you've been in here already before, but um, yeah, I just have a sense of something new this morning. But um, we'll be praying into that and we'll bring God's word and see what it says. So yeah, so we're continuing the series on the spiritual Church, and this week um, we're gonna be talking about my weakness, his strength, or our weakness and God's strength, Christ's strength. So we're gonna be looking at 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, and I'm just gonna invite Jackie up um, just to read the particular verse that I've chosen, which is verse 10 to 17. A bit of congregation participation.
1: Corinthians 1 verses 10 to 17, A church divided over leaders. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there is no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household, have informed me that there are holes among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas." Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Christmas and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptize the household of Stephanas. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Amen. Thank you. Jackie.
0: Thank you. Thanks, Jackie. So yes, yeah, so one Corinthians one, I've just selected some verses there but the whole story of so paul has visited the corinth church corinth church previously and he's now returned to ephesus so when he arrives in ephesus it's not one after that he hears whisperings and rumors of division within the church things going on and in that i can almost sense paul's frustration at having left that church, and then going on his travels in Ephesus, and then if it was in Hull, I'm pretty sure he'd be saying, "What are you all playing at?" That'd be the kind of language that I think he'd use in this day. And you see, when Paul visited the church at Corinth, he didn't want it to be about him. He wanted it to be about Jesus. He wasn't into flashy ministry. He didn't want people to follow him. He didn't want people to be quarrelling rather, and squabbling over which leader they were going to follow. So it caused division within the church. You see, the cross doesn't need fancy packaging. Paul shows us that God was pleased to save those who believed the weak and the foolish gospel of Christ crucified. In fact, God intentionally chose those who were weak and foolish to carry God's word. I like how there's two sides to Paul's teachings. There's always the positive side, then which is followed by, uh, "Now hear this." And Paul makes it quite clear in Corinthians, 1, in 1 Corinthians 1, that he believes in the faith that the Corinthian church has. He's not saying you don't have a faith. Where are you? He's, he absolutely speaks to them and says, "I know you have faith. You carry the grace of Jesus." But as we go into verse 10 to 17, it seems like an almighty, now hear this. You see, Paul wants to challenge openly the divisions amongst the believers. Whilst Paul doesn't specifically list a load of issues, we know from these verses that there already are issues with believers following man, following the teachings of man, instead of following the teachings of Jesus. So, in today's church, when I want to be careful, I say it's such a difficult um, preach to put together because I want to use the word church and not refer to the building. I want to use the word church and refer to the people as a body. So when I'm speaking and bringing this, I don't want you sat there going, which church is he on about? What's going on there? What's going on over there? This is us as believers. We are the church. Okay, these are just four walls that we, we meet and we commune together. So in this day and age, you know, we see it and we hear about it all the time. People following leaders. How many of us have not been to church on a particular Sunday because we've not liked the preacher? Or we've not liked the worship leader? I know I have. Am I the only one here? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so in that, we, we have a natural ability as, as human beings to go our own way. To follow our own wisdom and our own spirit defining their faith by the teacher they prefer rather than defining their faith by Jesus who is the teacher seeking gifts that others have why have I not got that gift why have they been blessed with that gift and not me I've been praying for that gift for years been focused on the gift instead of the giver So there's lots going on in the Corinth church at this point in time. See, Jesus isn't interested in a flashy ministry. He just wants authenticity. This morning, I was reminded of that when the keyboard didn't work, and in that moment, myself, I was like, we can't hear the keyboard, so I'm rushing over to try and solve the problem. God doesn't care. It's the sound and the tune of our heart that he wants wants us to be right with him in. So Paul was greatly concerned that the church was going, aligning itself with, of the world and moving away from Christ's principles and following man's principles. You see, Paul baptised a few people in the Corinth church. But he doesn't make any great claims to it. In fact, he goes on to say... I didn't want to baptize you because then you may say I was baptized in the name of Paul instead of being baptized in the name of Jesus in verse 4 Paul tells the church that he thanks God for them for the grace of God that has been gifted them Paul reminds them gifts already bestowed on them reminding them that through all their current mess one day they will be blameless in the sight of Jesus Christ this means one day we will all be fixed from our behaviours. But it's a journey. We, we just can't be perfect. We can maybe be maybe, maybe made perfect in the sight of Jesus Christ through his lens, but here on Earth, we carry human behaviours. I remember once a um, member of my family says to me, I was carrying a little bit of not very nice behaviour. And immediately I was literally bombarded with, you're supposed to be a Christian. You should be behaving like that. This person wasn't a Christian, by the way. And in that moment, it's easy to kind of judge yourself. You know, yeah, I shouldn't be behaving like that. But if I was perfect, I wouldn't need Jesus, right? Jesus came to save me. From my sin, past, present, and future. He wants me to be at His right hand when that day comes. So there's Paul saying some very harsh words in 1 Corinthians 1, but all the time reminding them of the love He and God has for that church. All He wants to do is see it succeed and hear good things. You know, for many of us, we have many different giftings. I've not been gifted with the gift of tongues. It's not a problem. I've been gifted with many other things because what we should be doing is focusing on the giver of the gifts. Natural fact, the gifts of the spirit can become one of the most divisive things in the church because it causes quarrels between believers. That doesn't mean to say that we're not called to do other things in the church. You may be called to stand on street corners and preach the gospel, or maybe not. You may be called to plant a church, or maybe not. To preach, or maybe not. Or to play on the worship, or maybe not. There's lots of things that we could be called to do. But what we need to do is instead of seeking those gifts ourselves and trying to earn those gifts or develop those gifts, we need to be just asking God, God, if it's in your will, can I have this gift? Can you reveal this gift to me? But one thing we are called to do as believers is take the gospel at every opportunity to people that God opens the door to. That might be in your workplace, it might be in your family, it might be in your neighborhood. See, we're all, every one of us in this room today, we are leaders, okay? We are leaders by our own right because we lead people to Christ. You may not be a worship leader, you may not be a church leader or elder, but you are a leader in the sight of Jesus because you are called to, and as we've seen this morning, somebody give the light to Jesus. So Wendy, you are a leader because you led that chapter of Christ. Okay. So let's not be focused on those things which cause division. I want that, therefore, They've got that, so therefore I want that. We need to be reminded dearly that the centre of the church is Jesus, not ourselves or others, and certainly not what we can gain. The church these days is filled with so much consumer Christianity. I'm going to church today because I need to receive. I need to get what I can from the church. The church isn't a popularity contest. It's a place where believers gather with one goal in mind unity in Christ Jesus and spreading the gospel as we go. It's easy to align ourselves with our own knowledge, our own wisdom, and see these strengths when they actually are weaknesses. It's only God's wisdom that is our strength. In myself I am weak, but through Christ I have strength. My weakness is strength. In Luke 9 verse 23 Jesus says if anyone would come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me this verse left me with many questions many questions what should I be denying myself am I denying myself enough is what I'm doing good enough for God God has my heart and I know already that's a good place to be If God's got your heart, then you're in a pretty good position. As I look around this room, I see people who have embarked on a church journey of planting, giving up big church, giving up flashy ministry, whatever. Whatever it is, whatever church you've come from, you've joined here and embarked on a new journey together. That inspires me, really inspires me. I see, I look around here, and I see an intimate gathering of believers. What an amazing opportunity you've got to develop one another, to disciple one another in this setting. Here, church isn't so big that you lose sight of one another. One of the things we need to look at in our journey, one of the things that I've had to look, need, need to take a look at, am I putting my career or my business ahead of church, ahead of God, ahead of my faith? Am I putting my finances first, my pursuit of spiritual gifts, my own material desires? Whilst it's good to be wise in all these aspects and steward them well, what we mustn't do is worship those areas of our lives. As my wife will confirm, we've been, as many a time we've been, thought we've been on a, on a journey that God ordained for us and we had, and um, we lost, quite a few of our own little empires that we built, thinking, assuming that God was in that for us. And actually, he was in it, all right. He was just letting us go our own direction, and it failed, and it failed, and it failed. But God lifted us up. He brought us back out of those snares that the enemy had left for us. But we then I realised as well, whilst we blamed the enemy, I've made a pretty good well, we made a pretty good job of it ourselves. We made a pretty good job of ourselves we should not give the enemy too much credit in our lives for making a mess of our lives, because we, we do a great job, don't we? Yeah, so when at church we are crawling amongst ourselves, bickering and jostling for position, it can look to the outside world that we're no better than the world. And we are, we're supposed to be. But we're still on a journey. As I was writing this over the past five nights, it's such a difficult preach to write because you don't want it to come across as a as a big stick. But Paul just says it as it is. There's no way to soften the blow of what Paul says. He just backs it up with love, with the love of Christ, with the love of God. You know, God loves his church. He loves each and every one of us here. And he will honour you for the journey that you've taken on board with him and allowing him control. Comparison to others robs us of our joy. It steals our peace. Because when we say that preacher isn't as good as mine or he's better than me or vice versa or the worship leader wasn't very good. I'm not saying he wasn't very good. I'm just saying that (laughs) I shouldn't have pointed in that direction, (laughs) should I? Or the worship leader was a bit off key today. (laughs) You know, there's... Caroline's old say to you that there's there'd be people who come into the church and say, Oh, you was a bit off key today, love. <laughs> actually, you know, there's nothing more demoralising to hear that when you're giving it your all up there in front of however many people in the congregation. And actually, do you know what? It's God, it's the forget the keys. This is the only tone he wants to know. He wants to hear this, he wants to hear the heart. So God loves his church. I was really inspired by what Josh said last week in his preach, just the small thing that that i picked up on. See, the Holy Spirit is here right now. He's in each and every believer. If you're a believer here today and you've accepted the Holy Spirit, then he is in you. And like Josh said last week, the Holy Spirit is for all. He's not exclusive, he's inclusive. You just have to receive him. But there are times when we deny the Holy Spirit as well. There are times when we turn away. There are times when we have come unplugged or we have a faulty connection. And it's that which really we need to be focused on in our journey is keeping that alignment, becoming more aware of the Holy Spirit in us. Yeah, so we just wanna focus on chapter two now. I'm just looking at the time. We've got plenty left, I think. Have we got plenty left? Yeah. So chapter 2, in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on to repeat what he's already saying in chapter 1 concerning his visit to Corinth, and it not being about flashy, show-off ministry. He just wants to tell them about Christ and who he is, not himself. He begins to speak more about the Holy Spirit. And I just want to invite Wendy just to read this verse, and we're going to be reading 1 Corinthians 2, verse 10 to 13.
1: These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining the spiritual realities with spirit-taught words.
0: Thank you, Wendy. So Paul goes on to speak about there's two types of wisdom in that, and two types of spirit. We have the human wisdom, and the human spirit, the human, the godly wisdom, and the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. So we have our own spirit. That is what I want to do today, tomorrow, the next day. And we have wisdom, my own wisdom, that decides how I'm gonna get there. Then we have God's wisdom, which is given us through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit leads me and guides me. Okay, he leads each and every one of you who have given your life to Jesus. But in order to hear from him, we need to be aligned with him. You see, God's wisdom through the Holy Spirit brings insight into some of the mysteries of God. We'd like to know how some of those mysteries work, wouldn't we? And the decisions we make and the direction to go. God brings leadership into making those decisions and direction based on learning to be guided by the Holy Spirit and not our own spirit. Earlier in chapter two, Paul speaks about how he came to the church of Corinth with fear and trembling. Now we don't know what he was fearing and trembling about. He may have been nervous, perfect human reaction. He may have been ill. He may have just been carrying the weight of what it is he was gonna say. But in that event, he was still called to deliver what it was he wanted to say, what he felt God was saying. And he didn't deliver it with eloquent words. He just came as he was and just shared what he had to say. See, my struggle with my calling is, in, in my previous two, three, four years, was what am I supposed to do, God? What is it you want me to do? This was never part of that plan standing here today was never part of that plan it was something way different to this i wanted to be go out and, and plant churches and churches I, I've, I've already gone into more than one um, and plant a church but actually that wasn't what god was calling me to do in my life i believe god's called me to be a joshua type who will hold the hands and the arms up of others who are doing that and supporting them in any way they can See, I don't want my ministry to be about me. I want it to be about Jesus and about others. And when we have those conversations about church and how we are, we make it about others. We naturally then become a community who supports one another and helps one another. My struggle with anxiety would never take me to new places to meet new people. Yet here I am, stood here today. This would have been unimaginable four years ago. But it was only after I lost my mum 18 months ago and I spoke at her funeral that God really spoke to me, I believe, and said, this is where I want you. I don't mean speaking at everybody's funeral, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be a bit of a sad day, was not it? That's all I'd ended up doing for a living. Um, but yeah, but speaking to people, and I was even able to share some of, the, some of God's word in the funeral as well, much to probably the dismay of some that were there. So God is moving me through anxiety. He's not not removing my anxiety. He's helping me work through it. There are some things that won't be fixed until I meet him. I'd like to think anxiety would be fixed in an instant, and I believe it could be, but it's at God's choosing and God's timing, not mine. So if you're a Christian here today and you've been baptised in the Holy Spirit and you've accepted the Holy Spirit into your heart, then you are filled to full and you have the seal and the assured hope of salvation that one day you will be with Jesus. If you want to grow into the fullness of what God has for you, then surround yourself with like-minded believers who want the best for you, not to control you for their own desires, but to see you grow into that fullness. You'll soon find out in your journey if you're with somebody that truly cares for you, truly is for you, because at every success you have on your journey they will be championing you along the way they will be supporting you they will be cheering you on you will also find out those that carry envy for where god's taking you as well so i would say to you this surround yourself with good strong faithful believers a wise man once said to me a few weeks ago well it was john actually but (laughs) Proverbs 27:17. just as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. If you surround yourself with iron, and somebody who wants to sharpen you as much as they want you to sharpen them, then you won't go wrong. If you surround yourself with wood, you'll just get splinters. And I thought that was amazing, actually. Well done, John. There should be a credit on the screen now, really, but um... Yeah, so, if you seek the gifts of the Spirit, don't be frank to ask God for them. But all the time, be mindful, it's God's will not our own. And the final part where I'm coming to now, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and if I had faith that can move mountains but do not have love, then I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I have nothing love must prevail unity in the body must succeed And this is a really important part this came out of our life group um, a few months ago eternal consequences you know when we're out on our daily business whether at work whether in the shopping queue whether wherever we are as believers We need to be more focused on the eternal consequences of others who have not yet come to know Jesus. Our behavior, if wrong, can say to somebody, and that's Christianity, if that's Christianity, you can keep it. That has a massive eternal consequence for somebody who's not yet come to know Jesus. So that's quite a powerful moment in our growth group, in our life group that we We heard somebody say it, and that really brought a big thought process of even when I'm out and about or at work, what does my language say about Jesus? What does my posture say about Jesus? And one of my favorite politicians, John F. Kennedy, at his inauguration said these words, and so my fellow Americans, that's not what your country can do for you, that's what you can do for your country. I just want to switch the words a little bit. Let's change that to, ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what you can do for your church. Because if we can develop that mindset, then we won't go wrong. We're human as well and we're working work in progress. We all have emotions, we all have instincts, we all have DNA, we all have a past. But it's looking forward that counts. We're all a broken body, but hopefully less broken tomorrow than we are today. So as I was saying earlier, this is such an intimate setting. You guys have got such a blessing in that you can really develop one another. You can really focus on one another's journey. You can help one another. You won't lose sight of one another and look ahead to the bigger picture. So one of my failings is I'm too busy sometimes looking at what God might do in the future and and not focusing on what he's doing right now. So I'm looking at what's ahead and missing the blessing that he wants to bring to his church through me right now. So let's focus on the moment, let's focus on the day, let's focus on what's in the here and now. You know, insecurities is a big issue in our church. The body. And the issue with insecurity is that also brings division. See, we all have a natural want to be light. Nobody wants to be told, or oh, here, I don't like him, or I don't like her, or that worship leader is a bit, never smiles, or, again, not you, Caroline, I'm not seeing you. But what that brings is when we have a need to be liked by man, we forget that it's Jesus who loves us and he cares for us. We become focused on the approval of man instead of focusing on what Jesus already did for us and paid the price on the cross for us. The bandage lights like come back. Up. I've just shortened it a little bit, because I've been keeping an eye on the time, but I just want us to be challenged by a few things, just as the band starts to play. Are we going to be a people that develop a a peacemaker identity? And bring love and unity to circumstances that seem beyond repair? Is there anyone in your life that you may have offended? You may be feeling like there is disruption in relationships around you, in your family, in your church, in your friendships. If that's you, then ask God to bring peace. Maybe it means speaking to that person and bringing peace and love to that person. It may mean writing a letter or sending a text. It may mean going for a coffee. Let's ask ourselves, what's our motive for church? Is it for us, or is it for Christ and his kingdom? Are we seeking to become popular, well-known? Are we seeking to become famous? Because Jesus isn't famous. Jesus never wanted fame. That's not what Jesus is about. Jesus is about love. And with Christ, we can succeed. So just while the music plays, and I just want us to respond in our hearts, you might want to worship, you might want to pray, you might just want to sit quiet, just respond in our hearts to what God might be saying to you.